Welcome to R4R, Conversations That Educate and Elevate. I'm Karen Conley, the Executive Director of Race for Reconciliation, and I am just thrilled to have with me Colonel James Kirkwood as our guest today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Well, and, and I should say, um, for those who may not be familiar with you, you bring such a gift to this conversation. Um, you worked for the Memphis Police Department for over 31 years, uh, retired there as a colonel. You have served as a pastor at Ambassadors for Christ Fellowship Church for 21 years. And then somewhere in your next life, you, um, I think, retired from both of those and now serve as the executive director for the Memphis Christian Pastors Network. And so, you just bring a host of experience and wisdom um, that I'm excited to share with our audience. Um, and I should, I should ask you, do you prefer to be called Colonel or Pastor or what, what do you prefer? Uh, I don't. I don't have a preference. James. You can call me. You can call me James. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I don't. I don't have a preference. You know, All right. It, well, you are a gift to the city of Memphis, and as an organization, Race for Reconciliation, we will launch our first event in the city of Memphis. Um, our heart is for this city, but our heart is also to take this message across the country. And so as I thought about who I wanted to be able to have a conversation with, you were really one of the first people that came to my mind. As, as 2020 came into being, um, it brought a lot of different pains together. And, um, but what I love to do before we just jump in is for people to just get a little bit of a sense of, of, of who you are and your journey. And so you spent 31 years in such an incredible profession as law enforcement. Tell us a little bit about how you decided um, that that was gonna be your profession. Uh, and I'll actually care. Now that I've gotten older, I think the profession chose me. All right. I, th I think God chose me. I, I didn't just choose it. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened was when I was a young boy, I saw a, a police officer. We called him Dirty Slim in the neighborhood. That was his nickname because he was dirty. And uh, he was beating this young man. It was a rainy morning and he was beating this young man uh, up and he covered him in mud. And I'm a little boy watching this. And uh, he picked the young man up and handcuffed him and was walking him down the corridor to the car. And it was like something just spoke in my spirit. All right, I'm this little boy. And I looked up, I said, I'm gonna be a policeman when I grow up. And I'm gonna work in my neighborhood. And I'm gonna treat us the way we supposed to be treated. All right. And so it was like that incident dropped who I was uh, uh, called to be what I was going to do uh, to help serve my community. And, uh, and I never lost it. I never got away from it. And even when I tried to get away from it, it would always come back. And hey, uh, I joined the police department and I was just as happy. Uh, had a wonderful career of serving my community. 
Uh, it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, it was it wasn't real work for me. It was really me doing something that was natural, uh, and that was uh, making sure that the community in which I served, whatever community it was, uh, the community that I served was treated right and uh, uh, served by the police department, you know, in a manner that was respectful, uh, in a manner of partnership, uh, whereas the community knew we belong to you, all right? We belong to you and we're here to serve you. And so that was a key thing, but that's how it all started when I was a little bitty boy. Wow. You know, and it blossomed and it grew. Wow. Well, that is um, an important, I think, backdrop to this conversation. And so I appreciate you sharing that. And I did not know that that part of, of your journey. Um, you know, uh, Colonel, as we look at 2020, the topic of police brutality has resurfaced again. And you offer a unique perspective from a little boy having that experience to then serving with many, you know, brothers in the in the service um, for those 31 years in a city that is very diverse. Um, would you mind sharing from your experience what is your perspective on the types of reforms and the things that need to happen within our police departments right now? Uh, I think um, throughout, throughout my career in the police department and throughout the nation when it comes to uh, police reform or criminal justice reform, you see the pendulum swinging uh, toward strong law enforcement, then toward uh, community partnerships. Uh, and I think what really works best, what really works best is for community and police to work together. That's a reform that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. uh, you hear the saying community policing, uh, uh, community partnership with policing. Uh, real community policing is everybody within that community taking ownership of whatever problem there is going on. Mm -hmm. And you sit at the table and you strategize on how we will combat this problem so that we all can win. Mm -hmm. uh, that's real reform. That's how it should be. Uh, police departments training as well as uh, probably our mission statements need to change whereas we become guardians mm -hmm. of the community and not uh, uh, seen as soldiers, not seen as it is us against them. Mm -hmm. uh, because the majority of the community is pro-police. I think that's black community, white community, Hispanic community. They are pro-police, all right? And the majority of police officers, all right, are pro-community, mm -hmm. right? They, they, they don't, they don't, the majority now say, don't join, they join the police department to make a difference, mm -hmm. right? Because it gives you a platform that you can really serve community. You really can get in where the need is and make a difference. And yes, like in all professions, there are some bad apples uh, that come in. Uh, in the church, we call it uh, sheep's uh, and uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, all right? And so there are individuals, wolves, who take on the badge or take on the blue uniform. Uh, 
and the community as well as the police department has to work together to weed those individuals out. So that situations that took place, uh, like what I grew up seeing mm -hmm. or what uh, we saw in the Floyd incident mm -hmm. uh, don't occur, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but that's real reform. Uh, when you begin to change the mindset, uh, you know, and I think Karen, you know, now I was a pastor as well as, as, a, as a colonel, right? Police officer. And they used to always say that I was more pastor than police. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what Director Rollins would always say. He more pastor than police. But I always saw the word, the, the, the pastorship. I always saw who I am as a believer transferring into the work of police, mm -hmm. all right? And so when, uh, when, when, when I see uh, uh, this, 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 this work of policing, I saw it as an opportunity to really, as a Christian man, to really show kindness, to show love for neighbor, mm -hmm. to show service, all right? To really become a servant to people. Uh, and when you, uh, that mindset, you know, cause, you know, in Christ, you know, we always talk about let this man that was also in Christ Jesus be also in you, which means the way you thinking, you know, ain't right. All right. So you need to elevate your thinking. So look what, how he thinks, how he says it, how he does it and transform your mind to be able to see that. Well, there has to be some transforming in the mind of uh, the police work. Uh, whereas we begin to see and care uh, about the people to the point that we really bring them to the table and together collectively, we talk about strategies and how we can resolve uh, our issues and reduce crime that takes place. That's real reform and that's the kind of reform that needs to go on. Mm, you know, as we're talking, it, it's amazing how many times really complex, big, overwhelming topics can really just, you can kind of just part through all of that and get back to humanity. Um, yes. And it's, it's treating people the way that you want to be treated. It's what you, it's what you decided as to why you went into that line of work is you wanted to bring honor and dignity to others the way that you wanted honor and dignity. Yes. Um, so, so you, you have sat in a very unique place as, um, as someone who has faith in a profession that is, is I'm assuming you were not um, the norm. There are not a lot of pastor um, police combos in, in, the, in the most police departments. Tell us- It's quite a few. It's quite a few. Oh man, it's quite, listen, go ahead, finish your question. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. No, but I just, I just love, there's, it's so easy for people, um, as Monday morning quarterbacks or somebody who's not in the trenches to have all these strong opinions about who people are and what they do and what the answer should be. And that's why I love talking to you because, you know, I would love to just hear some of your experience of the wins that you did have in, in your work 
um, and how that community action worked together. And then also, okay, here's the reality. Where are specifically a, a maybe a majority white culture making some assumptions and, um, and needs to be educated in this realm? So maybe first things first, tell us a little bit of some of the wins, how you saw what you're talking about be successful um, so that that might be something that can be replicated. Uh, now, <clears throat> for me, every every precinct I worked on, as a colonel, mm -hmm. we reduced crime. Mm -hmm. And how we do reduce crime was because I was a guy who was very, very pro-community policing. Mm -hmm. And so from Hickory Hill, I'm out there, to Rain Station, uh, to uh, Old Island Station. Mm -hmm. I pulled up, I, I pulled in uh, community to help solve issues. Mm -hmm. In doing that, crime would go down, right? For instance, uh, Rain Station, uh, crime was up, pulled in pastors, pulled in community leaders. When I say community leaders, I mean the leaders that you don't normally think would be working with police, uh, you know, the community activists who are sometimes, you, you would say, some people say they are negative against police. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't take them to be negative against police. I, take, I took them as saying something about us that we need to listen to. And so I brought them to the table so that we can work it. Uh, and in doing so, we would begin to reduce crime because we would sit at the table and we would talk about uh, we have a problem with kids fighting after school, all right? How do we solve this, all right? So I need churches, okay, what can you do to help alleviate this problem, all right? Uh, I need businesses, you know, what can you do to help alleviate this problem, all right? And then uh, community people, what can you all do to, you know, to help alleviate the problem. And here's what the police can do to help alleviate the problem. Now, all of us working on this here, we should start seeing uh, the children fighting after school, uh, be the incidents beginning to decline. And what happened was they would begin to decline, right? When it came to burglary. Uh, okay, pastors, what can you do to address this burglary problem, all right? Uh, business community, and so on, putting everybody there. Uh, but also at the table, uh, because in juvenile crime, we had Amy Wyrick. And uh, we partnered with Amy Wyrick, the Attorney General's office in Old Island Station, to come up with uh, a, a, a juvenile uh, program, whereas we had a juvenile probation officer at the precinct, uh, at the precinct. And we devised churches, I need you to come up with programs so that these kids who are getting in trouble, all right, that we get, all right, when we bring them to Mr. Clear, who's our juvenile probation officer, community probation officer, he can direct these kids to you instead of the juvenile system, mm -hmm. right? And doing so, our juvenile crime began to uh, uh, decline and uh, the incident, the, the children did not repeat mm -hmm. because now those children 
was given a, a, a church community, you know, an extended family to begin to work with them, all right? Uh, they begin to get more attention, but not only did the child get attention, the family got the attention because the family had to be at the table also, not just the child, but the mother and father, sisters and brothers, whoever needed to be at the tables, at that table regarding that child. And it worked uh, like that. Uh, I mean, and so it's, it, 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 it goes on and on. But let me tell you this here. Within the police department, let me get this, that uh, you would be shocked at the pastors and the preachers that are police officers. I was shocked when I got on. I thought I was going to be the only one. Yeah. Only to find out it was a lot of us, all right? Uh, you know, you just, it was just, and, and, and really to our amazement, you really shouldn't be shocked because they go to our churches, all right? You know, these police officers are going to churches and things. They are deacons. They are teachers. Uh, they are Sunday school teachers. You just never just, uh, you can never get past the blue uniform to really see the individual that's wearing this uniform, all right? That's an individual who has children, family, community connections, community ties, and uh, 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 believe it or not, a, a relationship with God uh, that's going on in that person trying to do this work. And so, but uh, my successes came from that and it was absolutely one. Man, I would partner with anybody. It didn't matter, all right? It didn't matter. Look, look Carrie, I'm gonna be honest with you. I partnered with some gang members, all right? Uh, we was doing a back-to-school drive, and the churches was doing back-to-school drives, and I, hey, I reached out to the gangs and said, wait a minute, these are your kids. I need y'all to do a back-to-school drive. And I wanted to be very, very special. I said, uh, you all doing haircuts, all right? I need you all to do hair, the whole gamut. They blew me away. They blew me away. They did it. It was absolutely awesome. They did it at this uh, club. I went over there. I just laughed. I spent about an hour over there. It was packed. Kids, they did. They got backpacks and school supplies. The guys were doing haircuts. They were cooking. They were doing everything. And all of us celebrated. All right, all of us celebrated. And I gave everybody certificates. Even them took my pictures with them because they had did something positive. All right, for the community uh, because I asked them. I asked them to join in and that's community, uh, you know, and our children belong to all of us and all of us should have a part in the success of those kids. Well, you've, I've got so many questions just from all that you've just said. Um, one of them, um, you know, you talk about race for reconciliation. Um, we are, we exist um, knowing that racism is not just a Christian problem, it's a human problem, and we want to solve it for all people. But, um, but the faith that you are walking in, and, and as you said, okay, you're right, it does make sense. People who want to make a difference in their community, what a sacrificial career. And I, I remember my dad was in the military, and um, it scared me because I knew his life was was on the line a lot. And I remember praying like, Lord, I don't want to marry a, a pilot or a police officer or a fireman because I just don't think I have the, the stomach for it. And, um, you know, I think yeah. about that now and I think, um, 
it's what you said that behind that uniform are fathers and brothers and sisters. And, you know, as unfortunately the, the police have taken such a, a negative taint in the media, what would you say um, to just help us understand um, that they are our advocates. Um, what, what is your perspective having walked in that uniform for so long as you hear just the, the criticism that's out there right now? Having uh, uh, walked in it and been an African-American, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Living in America. Yeah. I had to be honest. I yeah. have to be honest. And that is some of what we, some of what we hear that we call negative mm -hmm. is a lot of truth. Okay. All right. And sometimes truth hurt. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are things about us uh, as a police department uh, we don't know. Mm. Or we don't accept. Mm -hmm. Or we don't want to deal with. All right. Mm -hmm. And the ugly about our profession uh, that we can have some officers who take advantage of the power that has been given to them. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to talk about it openly. Mm -hmm. Now, believe it or not, we'll say things behind the scene. Right. Uh, we will even uh, fire individuals, mm -hmm. suspend them, uh, you know, discipline them. We'll do things, but we don't readily just say, oh no, there's some bad apples here and we got to get rid of them. All right, mm -hmm. this is a problem. This thing occurs. Uh, so for me, uh, when I heard, when I would hear the ugly, I would sit back and say, they ain't lying. Okay. That's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's one of them. Mm -hmm. And he's one of them. Mm -hmm. She's one of them. All mm -hmm. right. That's true. All right. That, that's just absolute truth. They did not handle the case right. Mm -hmm. They did not respond to the people in the right manner whatsoever. Uh, they did not see them in the manner in which they did, in, in the manner in which they should have. That's real, all right? That's real. And you just have to own it. You just have to own it. If you're going to do something about it, right. even individually, you have to own your ugly. Mm. All right? You have to own it, mm. all right? And so the police department, we, we are here today again because police departments across our nation have not done a good job of owning their ugly. Mm. All right. And what we do is we will, incidents will occur and we will have conversation, but then like trying to die, you know, I'm doing real good. I'm doing real good. Look at, ooh, look how motivated I'm doing real good. But then after a period of time, you begin to snap. Again, on Lay's potato chips. I ain't talking about nobody out here. I'm talking about me. All right. You you pass, you know, you pass the Oreo cookies and you knew you shouldn't have went down that aisle, but you went down that aisle and by God, man, you know, they look so good. And you, and so you 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 begin to go back to doing what you was doing. All right. So in church world, you never truly repented. You were sorry, 
that it occurred, mm. but you really didn't go deep enough to make the changes for it to never occur again. Mm. So we are back here, all right? And there are people experiencing what I experienced as a little boy. Mm -hmm. seeing these images by police not good police all right bad police because let's be realistic i've arrested people i have uh, uh wrestled with people and they were people that needed to be wrestled with needed to be then thrown back because you had to get the arrest and the community was like man good job man he needs to go all right you know what the community doesn't like is when uh, we exercise power. Well, you hear the community say, you were executioner. You were judge, jury, and executioner out there on the scene, and that wasn't right. So uh, we are here today again because we hadn't addressed it. Um, maybe one last question to, to wrap up this time together. Um, Knowing what you know, um, knowing the experiences that you have had, when you think about um, if you had unlimited resources and you had just strategic connections with, with leaders, what would you say are the top one or two things that you would want to have happen in cities right now in America to solve, to solve the division and to solve the racism that we um, are experiencing? Ooh, uh, oh man, uh, threw that one at you, didn't I? Curved you threw that you. one at me, man. <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to have candid conversations, real, uh, to, to, to first have a real dialogue mm. on America. Mm. Uh, America is a great nation. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. Mm -hmm. But America also has some great ugly mm -hmm. that we tend to overlook. Mm -hmm. And I think if America is to be a great nation, a better nation, to be truly uh, what it says it desires and want to be, it has to come to terms with this ugly mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning. Uh, and so I would, uh, I would uh, work hard in helping us to own our story, mm -hmm. not run from it. Mm -hmm but own it so that we can do better. All things work together for the good, mm. the ugly and the bad, right? And so if we are to be a nation that loves God, called according to his purpose, we need to not be afraid of our past, our ugly. Own it and realize that it can work together for our good. It can turn out good. It can be good. We can be better because of it. Uh, and then, uh, because I truly believe that leadership, leadership 
everything starts with leadership. Right. Everything starts with leadership. Good leadership will uh, be a blessing to anybody, all right? And, uh, you know, I love leadership. I teach it at the academy, uh, police academy still today. Mm -hmm. uh, teach the ethics and leadership class. Uh, I think when I go forward, I don't see much training on leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I would really work hard to make sure that leadership began to be taught early mm -hmm. in the life of our children. I think we keep our children children too long. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't teach them to really understand uh, leadership and understand what it is. Right. Uh, and it is, it is really servanthood, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I need you to understand that God has placed us all in this world to be servants one to another, mm -hmm. to look out for one another, to take care of one another. And we should do it. And no decision that I make, uh, if it benefits me only, is a good decision. Mm. Right? Mm. It has to benefit all of us. Uh, that's the whole concept of family. Mm. It has to benefit all of us. And so if we sacrifice to send you to college, all right, uh, it has to benefit all of us. All right? It has to benefit the family. It cannot just benefit you. So if you grow up and go on about your way like the rest of us that sacrifice for it, then uh, something has just went wrong right, in the equation. It has to be about all of us. And then the uh, third thing is to, uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer of this, uh, and that is uh, some kind of way we have to transform our thinking from individualistic to uh, us being a part. Hmm. No man is an island, but every man is a part of the main. Hmm. And I think in America, we are so individualistic hmm. that we don't see, you know, I, I, even, you know, Everybody wants to be their own selves. I want to be me. Let me be me. Mm. Well, you cannot be you without me. <laughs> all right? You know, you need me in order to be you. All right. We need each other. And I think some kind of way we need to transform our uh, educational system where we begin to see ourselves as a part of one another. Mm. That's the problem when division comes. It's individual. Uh, in some kind of way, uh, white America, uh, Black America, while we are white American, Black American, Hispanic American, Asian American, while all of these entities are there, we have to become a part of each other for our nation to work, for our cities to work. We have to be a part of each other. And no longer can we work all out this division uh, that takes place uh, within our society that keeps us apart uh, from each other. No, we are apart. God made us uh, in the manner in which he did. And if you go and look in your garden, if, if your flower bed looks like mine, it has more than one color flower in it. You know, we are all a part of God's creation to be used and to be recognized. Though I'm different, I'm a part of you.
Mm. Right. Uh, and such as this, you thought about me coming on and I thought about you like, oh, man, I would love to work with you. Why? Because we really are a part of each other. And the damage comes when we continue to separate ourselves and find ways to separate. That's mm. what I like about the Memphis Christian Pastors Network. We're working hard to find uh, uh, to be drawn together. Mm. Uh, black, white, male, female. Uh, we ain't sitting around arguing, can a woman preach? Yeah, look, we ain't, they ain't, listen, everybody, come on, all right, bring your talents, your abilities, your resource, and let us work to solve problems for our community, for our city, for our state, uh, and we see ourselves together. Well, that's one, of- that's oneness. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, what did Jesus say? I pray, I pray, I pray, Father, that they become one, even as you and I are one. Well, uh, Pastor Kirkwood, um, Colonel Kirkwood, you just are such a gift um, to me personally and to the city of Memphis. Um, Thank you so much for the perspective that you shared today. And for being a guest, I I know I have come up with so many more questions that that we're going to do a part two. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I really do appreciate this here. I love uh, the work that you and your husband uh, are doing. And uh, matter of fact, the work that you all have done, uh, it has been very, very impactful in my world. You are a blessing to me. So I just appreciate you all. So much. Well, thank you. And if you want more information on Race for Reconciliation, please go to raceforreconciliation.org. Find out about our upcoming events and the ways that you can continue to be educated and that we can bring healing, hope, and honor to the city of Memphis and across the country. We'll see you next time.